Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode eight of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. As always, I am your host, Tom, and today I am excited to have with me a uh, huge enthusiast for the game, uh, does a lot to create opportunities for players to keep their skills up as they prepare for different tournaments, is always running community events, doing a lot of casting, has had some great opportunities uh, through DreamHack to do some B-Stream stuff, is an up-and-comer, uh, definitely on the casting side of things. Dazarin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. That was uh, quite the intro. I'm pretty impressed. Well, I am just so grateful to have fantastic people coming on the show all the time. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's well-deserved. You do a lot for the community. And if anything, before we talk about grinding Rocket League, if you want to look at somebody or see an example of somebody that is willing to do what it takes to get noticed, I mean, you are an excellent example of that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, for me personally, it, it wasn't about being noticed. It was about providing something that no one else was doing. You know, um, you talk about providing players opportunities. We go and talk about uh, Skirmish Invitational. That's something for bubble players in North America who don't have any weeklies to play in that they can get necessarily a great match right out of the start. So they can really test out their team synergy and see if this roster has what it takes compared to other rosters that are out there. And that was just one of the things where I said, well, you know, I have the time. The players want it. Let's just make it happen. You know, let's just do it. I never it was never about being noticed. None of none of this, honestly, was ever about being noticed. It was just because I was passionate about Rocket League and I wanted to give back to a community that gave me so much. That is uh, extremely well said, and I guess those are the exact type of things that maybe have the result of getting noticed, even if that is not what your original intention was. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. It's, it's definitely been odd, and I hear it a lot, but personally, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking at it the same way everyone else is. Because for me, I'm just I'm just a guy who just sees things that we could all like benefit from as a community in terms of content, whether it's me doing the interviews on discussions with Daz, or it's the skirmish, whether it's giving players something to try for. You know, like if I have the ability to do it, then I want to do it. I'm not gonna wait around for anybody else or acts like necessarily for permission if i know it's okay to go for if i know it's okay to do then just go you know a lot of people like one of the things i tell people all the time is that your your biggest barrier is yourself and i, st I still kind of believe that to this day you know like for me when i was casting like what three years ago um one of the things I, I told myself was, you know, I just want to cast for every little community org out there because we had so many. And it was just, that was just what I wanted to do at the time. And time after time again, people started paying attention to me because I was just casting for all these different people. And that's just, that just escalated. Everything ended up escalating. 
And now I'm in a position to where, you know, I can really start, I, I, I can just give back. And that's all I really want to do is just give back. Well, that's awesome. And I, I'm, you know, I don't speak for everybody by any means, but I'm sure that a lot of people appreciate it and are grateful for that because uh, they keep on coming back. You know, you're always still putting on things and, and even the players are willing to, uh, you know, participate in those events that you put on. Uh, I always, I always think it's interesting, uh, especially I don't, you don't offer anything like prize wise for those, do you? It's no. purely just like the, yeah. So the fact that people will continue to come back and participate in those just for the sake of having the opportunity to play those games really says something about what you're doing. That was a shocker. And like to me for hearing that because there was a period during the off season where i you know i was like i'm gonna probably have to cancel this or shut it down because there's i can't i couldn't afford to do all of it you know i couldn't afford to like put up a a nice prize pool every week i'm only one guy you know and after the players all got together and pretty much told me like we want to play we don't need a prize pool we just want to play it's really good for us It, it, it definitely took me back uh, it definitely was just like shock, but after knowing that I got the okay from them, it was all right. Let's just push everything, all cylinders for it. Like, let's go. Let's just let's run this and let's just keep doing it until you know. Until recently, uh, we did our last one last Thursday, where I invited my potential um, top eight teams that I thought I had a good shot of being top eight seeded, and had those guys play out. And that was pretty much kind of like the height of it. We did a head-to-head a couple of days ago, but I posted a tweet recently saying that, you know, skirmish is pretty much done for the offseason. That's pretty much its purpose during that offseason time when there's nothing going on. Like, you, players can just play in that, you know. That's something that they can count on. They can count on me to do that. I've been doing it for a year now. Yeah. This is the busiest This is the busiest one I've done uh, in terms of just, like, how many events we've run. And a lot of people are really happy about it. So, yeah, the fact that they wanted it and the fact that they were willing to play with no prize compensation, even though, you know, I always said donations go to the prize pool. I'll never forget Afterthought. They won one. We actually had prize money donated. I think it was like somewhere between like $30. And they said after they won, they wanted me to keep it because they were just like, keep it. You deserve it. Keep it. Thank you so much for hosting it. I was just like, okay. All right. That's, you know, it was just, it was just a shocker. The bubble scene continues to impress me time and time again. And I mean, I know that both of us have been around since like the beginning of competitive rocket league when it was like super underground and community driven. And a lot of it was donation based and, you know, all the teams were just so happy to be playing in tournaments and supporting the scene and it almost gives me those kind of feels that they're playing for the sake of like grinding and playing and for the love of the game not so much like oh we we're just going to play in a tournament because it has a decent prize pool and we think we can win yeah uh, definitely it's to grind they always say it's good practice also the fact that i get support from the uh, rocs seeders saying that they count the tournament towards seeding also really puts um, really puts more motivation for the players. Yeah, so you know that they're getting 
all of their uh they're they're putting everything forward because yeah they're facing again what i think personally is like the top i want to say 16 to 32 uh seeds were entered in skirmish for these off season somewhere around that number but pretty much all like top 128 rosters played because they wanted a chance to directly impact their seating and see where they stood against top teams. Yeah. So let's get into the reason that we're all really here. And I'm, I'd be curious to have you answer this question first, how uh, watching all of this like bubble level play has affected your own game as a rocket league player or has it affected it at all bubble scene no not bubble scene rlcs has it 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 has i remember last season last season after the world championships i went home and i hit gc and everyone got really shocked they were like what how did you're the only person who comes back from land and hits gc that's that's definitely (laughs) what i was told and i was like yeah but i was already like a grand champion player by then um but for me it no matter what it is whether it's rlcs championships dreamhack whenever i I sit there and actually watch a really really good like few games of competitive rocket league it's just like i automatically i I pick a player the example gimmick um world championships and i was just like i want to play like gimmick and i just watch him and i just see what he does and i look at the replay or something like that later and then i just get in and i'm like okay uh, let's just let's just try it. Let's just see what happens, and it just works. I don't know. I don't know. It just it just works. I feel so much faster. I read the ball so much better. It's really odd. I don't have I, I don't have a logical explanation for it. I just yeah, I do watch Rocket League, and the skill kind of translates over. It doesn't stay there for long. The ranked woes catch up to me, but for that time period, I do get a little boost in my MMR. It's interesting that you say you say that and. The last couple episodes have been like really mindsetty, so I don't want to spend another hour and a half on that, uh, even though I think that's interesting and it's definitely part, but I, I'm curious about that. So, you know, you talk about coming home from a, the world championship, which is obviously like super exciting, extremely hype. Like you just feel good about playing Rocket League and then you come home, you hit Grand Champ and then you get those ranked woes. So tell me how you feel coming home from a world championship and then expand on the idea of quote unquote ranked woes (laughs) and what that looks like for you and how that affects your mindset or your mentality playing the game. So coming home from rocket league, again, world championship, you see this player, they're playing really fast. Um, Again, I've been watching people play rocket league for three years. It's been a long time. And at this point, especially with me being an analyst uh, for a majority of my career, I just started doing play-by-play recently as of this year, and it's been pretty cool. But for me being an analyst and for me also coming up with people like Achieves, Achieves is a great analyst. I mean, fantastic in what he does. But I remember we used to have conver- we have conversations all the time, and one of them was just like how different we are as analysts. Um, he sees the numbers and he can translate the numbers into the gameplay, and I see the gameplay, and I can really express what's going on in the field 
why a player has a strength in a role. Like I can break down an entire team and just say this player excels at doing this specifically and then show them why with examples. I, I really love one of the things I really love doing uh, or really want to show people more of is the fact that these people are more than just players like that octane you see it's more than that it's justin on an octane there's also justin on a dominus and i can tell you why that's two different things i can also tell you why justin and garrett are two different players and it doesn't have to do because of justin hitting flip resets all the time there's more to it than that so i always watch to see those types of things and after a while and after just like looking at it for so so much and watching the replays and understanding it. I'm also a very competitive person as well. I just come home and I'm like, all right, if they can do this kind of pretty much, I can do this. So, um, I just, I get in fresh mindset, play the games and I just feel it translated. It feels really good. You, like you said, you get that boost and compared to, uh, what ranked woes is for me. That's a tough answer. Because I used to have ranked woes for real, like back when I was trying to hit like champion, I don't, I don't know when, but nowadays it's a little different because I did end up changing how I play the game. Um, I think it starts getting really heavy after I hit my peak MMR. So I'll, uh, I'll play rank, I'll solo queue and I'll hit, I don't know, 1600. And then after that, I'm like, oh man, I've never been in past 1600 so then i think about that then it takes away my complete train of thought and then next thing i know like there's this additional amount of pressure on the game and then like after a couple of losses i like pretty much stop there but i know then that's when i've pretty much hit my peak once i start paying actual attention to like the rank and uh the matches and knowing that i'm making that progress it actually ends up hindering my progress in a weird way i totally get that uh, and this is this is a heavy question or kind of an intense question. And if you don't have an answer for it, that's fine. Or if you need a second to figure it out, I'm curious. What what is it about getting to your peak that slows you down, or that what do you think it is that gets in your way when you get to that point? Like, what do you start telling yourself, or what are you thinking in your games, or? Uh, if you could synthesize it into like a thought right now, you know, what are, what are your thoughts? How do they shift once you get to that point, as opposed to like when you're on your way up there? Mm, it's a, it's the pressure. There's a sense of pressure that comes on. And there's also a sense of excitement. And for me, uh, like just playing competitively, I'm always, whenever I get into a match where I think this is an opportunity for me to prove myself, there's just a little bit of nerves there. No matter if it's like playing a, a tournament match and like i uh get like back in the old days we would play a tournament match and get first rounded against i don't know g2 and you're like you're sitting there and everyone's like oh man we got g2 on your team but i'm like oh man we have g2 on our team like this is my chance to like actually beat them and prove that i don't know i'm not a bad casters aren't all bad at the game or this that or whatever and i think that that excitement of being able to reach new heights and not knowing what to expect next is what ended up throwing me off because in all in reality it's still the same game like i'm there there's not too much of anything different i'm doing it does shift there is a big uh, skill gap shift at some point in like low gc to high gc but 
in terms of where I am when I hit that that new step, nothing's really that different. I just put the pressure on myself because I'm ex- I don't know what to expect. I feel like things should completely shift once I hit this new MMR space when it's not. And I think I probably just psych myself out versus when I'm doing my rank placements and uh, I'm playing back to GC, like I tell everybody, because uh, as of recently, I've just been playing games with my friends, not necessarily concerned about my own rank. But when I do play for my rank, I it's the probably the most chill experience I have on a game. I just put on music and I just completely chill. Mainly because I, I have that thought in my head. I've been here before. I've been here multiple times. I know what it takes to get there. I know what to expect. There's no reason to put pressure on myself. You know, there's no, like, this should just be a relaxing experience. I should be having fun playing the game because I already have, I've already reached this mark. So there's no reason to, like, be upset or be tilted or anything like that over anything. If I start losing a lot, then I'll just take a break. But that, like, once you hit that new unknown area, then that's when things start getting interesting. I think that's when I psych myself out. Yeah, I get that. Do you feel like the game feels different to you at that point? Like when you're when you're kind of reaching that threshold, especially in Grand Champ, because you're not diving up anymore, right? It's purely just like MMR. So do you feel like uh, the game changes? Do you feel like it's faster or anything like that? Or do you think it's purely mental right now? Where I am in low GC, it's purely mental. The only reason I say that is because I give my opponents a lot more credit than i i think they deserve and i feel like they they are just all insane they're gonna boom the ball over me oh my goodness what's going on and i also put a lot of pressure on myself where i'm just like i need to be 10 times more consistent than i have been otherwise i'm gonna throw we're gonna lose and then i'm I'm looking at my teammates like wow he just hit that i need to hit that you know there's it's just so much i'm thinking about when i really shouldn't be I put on, I do put a lot of more pressure on myself. Now there is a change. I do think that there is a change. I just think where I am personally, I'm not experiencing that change right now. I'm just psyching myself out. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, a change. There is a change in so the gameplay. Yeah, like the change in the gameplay okay. probably happens in between like sixteen to seventeen hundred MMR, if not like sixteen through eighteen hundred. But again, for me, like mm-hmm. I'm at sixteen ten, expecting to like be a completely different player. That's be with the eighteen hundreds. Right. Yeah, that, that's where I get psyched out. How long has this been going on? Like when when did you hit sixteen hundred for the first time? And if if it's even uh, quantifiable, like how many times? Have you been up there and gone down and gone back up and gone back down? Like how long have you been on that roller coaster? Mm, not as long as, well, okay. Yes. This is like a yes and no answer. Like you're not going to be satisfied. I don't think personally, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so the way this worked was I think three seasons ago. Yeah. Three seasons ago is when I, no, excuse me. I hit uh 1600. And after that, I spent probably the next two seasons, yeah, the next two seasons playing with Stacks and Jorby so I could help them get to Grand Champion. And 
Stax didn't mention that you just carried him all the way up there. Has Stax even hit? What, you said he did mention that? He didn't. Oh, well. Go figure. I'm not surprised about, about anything with Sean Stackhouse. <laughs> Anyways, Stax doesn't even hit Grand Champion. What? He said Champ 3, Div 4. If he did it, yeah, 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 but that's, I mean. He never, He didn't say that he got to Grand Champ. Yeah, no. It, but he also didn't say that he got carried all the way no, there. No, I don't think he did. I think, like, we have played together a lot um, over the course of the past couple seasons. But I think he went on, like, a little solo queue spree for a little bit. And, like, he ended up hitting it. All right, I remember when he posted the screenshot. And I was like, okay, we need a hard reset. This is not viable this should not be happening sean this is not the way rocket league should be (laughs) and that's just me ragging on him a A little little bit bit. bit. he's obviously improved a lot yes that is for sure he's definitely um become a better player jorby has too jorby has to get over his own self i feel like jorby is doing the same thing i'm doing when i hit my peak just a lower rank and i think if he could just like yep. calm down stay focused like he'll, like both of them can hit grand champion very easily i think it's just they have to have a good day uh-huh so you were saying um talking about 16 and hitting it but then you started talking about playing with your friends right with right those guys. right right yeah so i started again playing with them jorby actually invited me before we got on this call i had to ignore him um and yeah i think again i just have this tendency where i like to help people and i do it so much that i don't do stuff for me it's including rocket league i get home and jorby's just like games i'm like all right so then we'll we'll, we'll just end up <laughs> queuing uh and we'll we'll just play all night long and we'll go up and down and up and down we'll get to a point where you know someone has to go to sleep and then rinse and repeat but then he'll he'll solo queue on his own and he'll drop rank and i'm just like oh man like we'll be sitting there champ two feeling good i get a discord dm yo i just dropped i'm like no (laughs) just take a break yeah yes actually yes (laughs) oh my goodness if he if he says that he does it i mean he does but he definitely will not like there's just been times where he, he doesn't quit he should quit but yeah no i mean for the past couple of seasons it's just been me playing with him and uh a couple other people just grinding uh, and then also working a lot too it's just there's just been so much going on so yeah i haven't personally had a lot of time to just grind myself that's gonna change coming i want to say in less than a month now because I will be out of my contract for NetherRealm Studios. And basically what happens there is once you're out of your contract with them, it's abided by California law. I won't be able to re-sign for three months. So I'm going to spend three months uh. fully focusing on content creation for Rocket League. So nice. I'm able to play more and work on more things, which will be really cool. Very good. Very good. So let's talk a little bit more about this peak or kind of the, the place that you're in right now. Because uh, it's it's been a few seasons that you've been kind of in this area. Do you remember at all the plateau that you hit before? Like what got what got you? What changes did you make? to get to where you're at right now? Oh. Or what did you notice in your game that really kind of 
got you to where you are now man i'll never forget the first time i hit champ that was a tough day i streamed it for eight hours um you were really yeah on the grind. yeah i really was it was an eight hour stream i remember some people told me to turn my stream off because it was getting depressing oh, i was it was really bad it was really bad um depressing because you were just starting to get worked up or depressing because you weren't hitting it kind of both it or both. both it was both yeah. i remember exactly how it happened we were just i was playing for the majority of the day i wasn't winning uh i would i'd just be going up and down but the losses were just hitting me i hate i like a pet peeve of mine and this is what anything is losing when i know i can win because it's just like so it's just sure. like yo we have all the tools here like let's do it and um you know sometimes it just doesn't work out so i always get you know it it just stings a little bit more when that's the case or especially when i just like feel it but uh yeah i think that was happening for the majority of the day i was getting frustrated and people were telling me you know my stream like man this is like i really feel for him and all this other stuff and it was in the afternoon i took a break like midstream i just walked away and just kind of sat there and breathed for a little bit it was just like you know took took some deep breaths which is funny now because now i actually meditate but took some breaths and i was like you know what it's fine it is what it is i'm not gonna let this you know get me down and like have a bad atmosphere we're just gonna go in we're just gonna you know play and just get, enjoy the time you know and Lo and behold, like that same day is when I hit champ. I hit it in the nighttime. I want to say evening, probably around 6 or 7 p.m. And that was like, that one was big. So after that point is when I realized, okay, I just kind of need to calm down. You know, I'm so focused and I get so worked up over simple mistakes all the time that, you know, I just tilt myself and I can't actually focus or actually play. So taking that step back was uh one of the big factors and i continue to use that even to this day just calming down and playing even when i hit grand champion the first time i thought about how i got to champ three when i wasn't winning games i was like well i got to champ three and i wasn't sweating or i wasn't you know uh super focused on the game i was just kind of playing my game and i was just relaxing and i said you know what that's what we're gonna do we're gonna relax we're gonna play our favorite songs put on the playlist and we're just gonna play and that's just how it happened. And I've been doing the same thing ever since. Huh. That's, I mean, that's a great story. It's, I'm, I'm thinking about myself right now as well. And I would certainly consider myself a try hard. Like I'm always trying to get better, focused on getting better and thinking about my weaknesses because they're still plenty right now. Like I waver in between high champ one, low champ two, and I'm in champ one div three right now, I think in threes. Um, speaking of that, do you play, like when we're talking about this, is it mostly threes or twos uh, so for you? I've been exclusively playing threes uh, pretty much. Uh, okay. I've been playing threes and as of recently, I have started playing ones a lot. Thanks to Flakes. Shout out to Flakes, by the way. Uh, he definitely got me focused on the ones and how much that once helps massively if 
anyone is trying to prove improve in the game. I know people hate ones, and I know they're like, oh, this sucks, but and I am kind of like underselling, I guess, my growth a little bit by saying I, I just chill all the time. It's not necessarily it. I obviously as an analyst, I know my mistakes. I know what I'm doing wrong. I know what I can work on, you know. And sure. there are times, like especially when I'm playing with Jorby, like I'll set a goal for myself and I'll say, okay. I'm going to just focus on improving my shooting. I want to shoot better. And that'll be the focus for that play session or passing or dribbling or something because I don't take any of my time for granted. I want to improve. And I, I think that everyone, if you're not a RLCS player, like literally, even if you're a rival series player, if you're not an RLCS player, there's always something that you can improve on, you know, like, and Oh my gosh. Yes. And, I mean, yeah, like I, do, who who else are you gonna ask? I do it for a living. You know what I mean? Like, I I've pointed out mistakes from RLCS players all the way down the list. You know, there's always something that someone can improve on, and some people fail to think that they think that it's their teammates, so they think that it's this, that, or the other thing. And you know, like a lot of people don't get it. Where when a goal scored, usually it's because you did something wrong. Like something right. in that last 30 second sequence, you could have done better to like stop that mm -hmm. from happening. So yeah, there's so many different things. Uh, playing, playing ones helps immensely. Um, but I have exclusively been playing threes for, or like, I guess maining threes just because that's the one I love to commentate. And I just really, I don't know. It's just the most fun I have playing rocket league is when I play threes. What would you say as a player is this is let me know if this is coming across right your biggest advantage like when do you feel like you can take control of a game best hmm. or things that you do in a game that you you see that people don't expect on a consistent basis does that question yeah, make sense? You know, pretty much when do you have like the most control in a game? Or when do you feel like yeah. that? So there's a couple of uh couple of times. Number one is during kickoff. During kickoff immediately, because one, a lot of players take kickoffs for granted and they don't understand that you can change the game. I do the same thing, and I'm giving away my trade secrets here. I do the same thing when I do kickoffs. And I always lose the kickoff, especially if it's except, you know, no, no, no. I always, I always lose the kickoff. The kickoff will always go towards a back corner boost. Why? Because there's always going to be a teammate that will go for that back corner boost. And if they go and turn and the ball's right in front of them, they have so much control that they can do what they, they have so many different options. Like the ball is in our court. I literally set our team up to do whatever we want with the ball. I think that's one, the number one. The number two would probably be, um, hmm. I think when, this is tough because it depends. It definitely depends. I won't, I'll say in ranked. We'll just keep this ranked exclusively. I think in ranked, if you can understand uh, how your opponents are moving, if you understand uh, what their weaknesses are, then that's the best that's the best way to put it, push your foot forward if you know that they have no backboard defense then you could just set up set up backboard passes all day 
if you know that they're bad on the ground or they have a teammate who is constantly chasing or constantly booming the ball, then you can play around that. It's really all about understanding your opponents and uh, playing around them. Uh, those would be my top two ways where I know I have control because I've played what again I played a lot of Rocket League. I know players who like to chase and who like to touch every ball. And what they do is they put their teammates in a terrible position because they cut rotation and they don't do anything valuable with the ball. The people who go for flip resets all the time because as long as you have good backboard defense, they just remove themselves from the play. You get a good counterattack off of it. And then I could just, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So understanding what people can do with the ball, reading your uh, defense, and also having really good kickoffs. So expand on that a little bit more in terms of being able to read your opponent a little bit more. Because I'm certainly finding that as I want to move up, my mistakes or my the things that are holding me back are more my decision making or understanding like the flow of the game more so than mechanical. And of course I still make mechanical mistakes, but it's like, it's not as often as what I would call like a gameplay mistake. So how, how did you go through the process of learning about the game and, and building that skill, uh, to where you feel you're comfortable or that's an advantage to you? What are some things that people at home could practice or think about on a consistent basis? So they start learning, they're practicing, and that becomes a second nature for them. Ooh, making it a second nature is tough. It's like, because it's not, a lot of people think that it's mechanic-based or it's decision-based, because we've seen the arguments on Twitter multiple times on, okay, what is it? It's not one thing. That's just that's just the, the thing about it. It's not one thing. You can always improve on your mechanics. You can always improve on your decision-making. They both need to be solid in order for you to have a chance at anything. You need to be able to shoot the ball, yes, but you also need to be able to know when to shoot the ball. And a lot of people, like, they think, okay, I can just flip reset anytime I want to. That's not going to work. Or, you know, well, I did this. I did a pass, but my teammate didn't shoot and or like they try to pass all the time and because they can't shoot so they think if they become a good passer that'll help but then you're relying on your teammates all the time you have to be able to learn about the entire game as a whole now the big thing to answer your question i think that people really need to focus on is understanding what everyone on the pitch can do with the ball and not not and i know this sounds really odd i know this sounds like a loaded question or a loaded answer whatever but what i'm saying is if the ball's in the corner or rolling towards a defender who's waiting in front post and it's coming on the corner that opponent is more likely to hit it and drag it around the corner than they are to pinch it off of their own back wall into the net or into your own net and being able to read necessarily when people are going to react helps you make your decisions much faster for example, you're going down the pitch and uh, you guys had caught the last man back. And like the ball's in midfield going towards their last man back who's trying to rotate towards net. 
he's most likely going to hit it to whatever side, uh, whatever wall's closest to him than anything else, than dribble it or anything. He's most likely just going to boom it. So if you, instead of just chasing the ball downfield, if you turn and go to that same sidewall, that's a free pass for you. And then you have all the options there. Um, one thing I'll say for sure is when moving up the field with the ball, you want to be able to, whether it's going for a clear, or anything, you have to ask yourself, after I touch this ball, am I going to get a touch? Or is my teammate going to get a touch? Or is this ball going to be put in a place that's tough for the defender? If it doesn't answer any of those questions, then it's probably not a good touch. And again, being able to figure out, okay, I shouldn't be able to clear this ball from our back wall into the midfield because our opponent's going to have a free shot on net. You're less likely to make that clear and you're more likely to, okay, instead of clearing it off the back wall in the midfield, I'll clear from the back wall to our corner or to our side wall. That way we have a little bit more time. We'll still be under a decent amount of pressure, but I can get an extra touch force of 50. And while I do that, my teammates are rotating and picking up boost pads. So making that like understanding of team, like the opponents, their positioning and what they can do with the ball really can help you in terms of like deciding on what you want to do decision-wise and what you're able to do mechanic-wise. What was your process on figuring out the, was it purely just like hours of doing it over and over and over again? Or was it like looking at replays? How do you think, or what would you suggest to somebody that's like, I don't think about any of that. I don't understand any of that. I just kind of like am on the field, not paying attention to a lot of that. What would you suggest to kind of get into that type play of ones. stuff? You just play ones. And people hate playing ones because ones identifies your mistakes as a player. If you boom the ball a lot and you boom the ball away to get possession and there's no one in the net and that guy's just going to dribble in the net, you're not going to boom the ball anymore. That's why ones is uh, – that's why you see all a lot of pro players play ones because – it really helps you identify your weaknesses as a player because if you make a mistake or if you make a bad touch, you instantly see a negative result in that. A lot of people put faith on their teammates in twos and threes and they get upset when their teammates don't perform on a level that they have this unrealistic, unrealistic expectation for them and then they get mad and then that's how we see you know arguments and rage. But if everybody played ones and understood that, okay, well... I did, you know, I'm not going to put myself in a position to where I want to get, I'm like, I'm going to get scored on all the time and I'm going to just play, play my game. And they take that and put that in the threes. Then you'd end up seeing just like yourself making so many more or less mistakes that, you know, like that's just, that's really where the growth is. I remember again, me and Jorby, we decided, okay, we're going to play once for a little bit. We're going to play for like a week and see what happens. And we did. And anytime we pulled off something that was different or like some type of impressive solo play, we would both be in chat like, he plays ones. And I'll be like, I play ones. Like, although it's a struggle and it's a grind, it does pay off at the end. So, yeah, I'd say just play ones. What are some of your biggest takeaways recently from playing ones yourself? 
whether it's mechanically or otherwise. Oh man. I did the stream where I said one V one me and you get an item. And I had a lot of people had to one V one, including like some um very good very good one V one uh players like first killer. So there were it was a long day and I lost a lot, but it was it was fun. Community liked it. And after playing, I think it was just, you know, understanding my mechanics uh, need a lot of work. Yeah, pretty much a lot. Uh, if my if my mechanics are better, because I make the right decisions, I just don't have the mechanics to pull off like things that would lead to me to get a goal multiple times. So like after I did that, I really decided, OK, I want to work on mechanic stuff. So, I mean, practicing just like double taps off the backboard or um you know just practicing like fast breaks and free play anything that can help me uh move the ball down the field quickly get it out of my end and then also to where if i'm bringing the ball downfield i can set up for goal scoring opportunities that was the the big focus there because once it's tough man it's a it's a sweat fest you have to create opportunities and it's a constant mind game and a constant chase so that I mean, playing with all sorts of groups and skill levels, you do learn a lot about how you play uh, on your own, especially because you don't even know what the ranks are going into it. It's a private match, so yeah. You you learn about yourself a lot playing ones, and also what sets you off. I think if you want to understand. <laughs> What frustrates you the most about the game of Rocket League, like playing ones, is an extremely good opportunity to to figure that out. Because for some reason, every single time you start playing it, or I guess I will say whenever I start playing it, my opponent will be able to do the things that frustrate me the most or like get under my skin or show me my weaknesses immediately right off the bat and that is just agitating yeah. and i think you know i know you said a lot of people talk about like mindsets and stuff once is definitely a playlist where you you know mindset is king uh how you go into it is like super big i did i used to do and i keep talking about my streams i'm gonna stop at some point but uh i did a a kind of jazz stream one night and again this was this was around the week i was playing once and uh i came in we had jazz music in the background i'm like hello how's everything going and i you know i would get scored on but i would be like that was a really good touch and me being an analyst i'm just breaking down why i got scored on I'm like if i did this better i wouldn't have got scored on i was like that's a good shot from him i was like man i messed that up but if i did this differently things would and then i'll go into it right off the kickoff and like all right well let's try to not make that mistake again you know it's just about how you look at things a lot of people play it and i think i see now that i think about it where the frustration comes from because a lot of people play it like they play twos or threes they don't think too much about it they're you know i want to have fun i want to grind ranked you know but ones is not i don't think it's just that game mode unless you really really enjoy it there are people out there who really enjoy it but for most people they want to have that comfort that they have in twos and threes, and that's completely taken away from them. And when they realize that, okay, I really am uh, being exposed right now, 
then that's when they, you know, that's when the mindset kind of tanks a little bit. Because they're just kind of out in the open. Yeah, out in the open and not having that comfort of having another teammate with them. So their mistakes are more egregious. How often when you're playing in threes, do you attempt to take possession of the ball? So like whenever I've been thinking about this a little bit and I feel like there are two kinds of touches one or you can almost categorize touches into two kind of worlds. And maybe you look at this a little bit differently. I'd be curious to know how you think about this at your level as compared to mine. Cause I'm just trying to formulate these ideas so I can think about the game better. Uh, there are the shots that are the clears. So your team can reset, get boost, uh, find a rotation again, things of that nature. And then there are touches that initiate possession of the ball. So you want to keep it closer or you want to put it somewhere that you know that you can get a good, clean second, third, fourth touch. So when you're playing, do you try to keep possession of the ball more often or do you have very clear points in time where you're like, I just need to get rid of this ball or I always want to attempt to be able to try and get a second or third touch on the ball. Like where do you land in that? It depends on what's happening in the game. There's not one thing where, you know, I can't say I want to go in this game and I just want to have all the possession or, you know, or I just want to buy my team time and just keep buying my team time because if you stick to those, those kind of like foundations, and that's again the same thing I was talking about earlier, where like uh, decision making and mechanics, like you need to, you have to be able to adapt because you're not gonna, it's not gonna go the way you want. I mean, it might, but not all the time. That's the kind of beauty of Rocket League, in my opinion. But you have to scan the field. You have to understand, okay, when can I do this? When when is a good time for me to do this? I have two teammates that just went up for a challenge on third man in midfield. Do I want to just take a go for a poor challenge in the upper half or should I wait let this guy boom it downfield because he's not thinking how I'm thinking so he's gonna he's just gonna boom it to clear to buy his team quote-unquote time meanwhile he gives me possession and instead of just trying to challenge him I have the ball now I can either dribble it off to the side boom it off the backboard try to see if I can get a double touch on an already you know poor team and etc etc there's 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 a time for everything I think when you're able to identify that based on what's going on in the game, that's the important thing. I can't say that I go into a game and do just one of these things. Although like keeping possession is sure. important and getting those extra touches is good for moving the ball downfield. You don't sometimes you really just don't get to choose. Sometimes you just like, okay, I have to do this, otherwise, like we're gonna get scored on. So how how can somebody like you've said a few times that you know as an analyst that has really helped you uh kind of be more aware of your own personal game how can somebody create more mindfulness or be more mindful of their game either while they're playing or afterwards watching someone else's replays Watching your own replays, you always, I don't know, you have that kind of like self-bias there a little bit, and you either might be too light on yourself or too heavy on yourself. But watching someone else and pointing out 
a, a group mistake or a specific team, whether it's RLCS, whatever, that personally, it takes you out of the equation. You can see mistakes there. And then when you're ready, you can look at your own. But I think if you watch someone else's first and then go to your own, it kind of like lightens the load or like softens the blow of uh, whatever like self pressure you put on yourself because you've seen it from other people and you know, you're not alone, you know, like, Oh, even gear G whiffs touches, you know, or even, you know, J naps can miss a shot. It's not the end of the world, but you have to understand that going in. So I think watching other people's replays is a really way, really good way to get into that mindset. Do you watch other people in the game that you just played, other people's perspectives, or just completely not you whatsoever? There was one game where this guy, like we scored a bunch of goals, and it was one of those pressure games that I said I had uh, when I was a really high MMR. And I saved the replay, and I just went, and he was on my team. I just went and I watched from his perspective. I'm like, how is he so fast? Like he's always getting to the ball. How is he so fast? And I watched, and when I watched, it was – not the same thing it was a lot different i was like wow okay and i kind of just sat there looked at it a couple times and said well this isn't it's not like he's doing anything too crazy he's just going for the ball a lot and hitting the ball a lot this is okay well let me see what i can do get into the next game and next thing you know i'm doing the same thing and i'm like okay this is this is a thing so yes, I have watched other people's replays to see whether, you know, just to see what they're doing. I've done that a couple of times, even in games I've lost to really good players because I want to understand like we're both on the same pitch. We both queued into each other through matchmaking. Say what you want about matchmaking. We both queued into each other. So I should, I have a chance to win here and we'll probably see each other again later on the line. I need to know how to beat you. You know, I don't, I don't like to queue dodge or to like, okay, I'm going to wait so I don't get this guy in. No, because I want to be able to, the reason I'm grinding ranked is so I can be good enough to where I can beat this player. And for me to do that, I need to understand, like if, if it's just that, if I'm losing that poorly, I need to understand what they're doing. So if I got to look at a replay or two, then that's what I'll do. So then what do you feel like are things that you see in players that are better than you? A lot of confidence going for the ball. Definitely a lot of confidence. Most of the time it's mechanics. Like most of the time it's for sure mechanics. Um, yeah. So let's, let's break both of those down because I think both of those are interesting. The first one being confidence in going for the ball. Cause obviously your grand champ, a reasonably high MMR, like you've made your way into grand champ. You're not just like sneaking your foot in the door and getting your rewards and running like I'd say consistently there. So what's the difference in confidence from you, from like the person that's a step up? What do you feel is different or like when you're getting beat to the ball, you know, what do you feel like you could improve on? Um, now confidence is a really, I think it's key in a lot of, uh, a lot of things, even in terms of RLCS play, like confidence is something that affects the entire game. I think peeps beat G2 in DreamHack 
finals because they were just more confident. They had more momentum going into it. I, I fully think that. And it's just when you are confident, when you do feel like you're the best player in the lobby, there's not much that can stop you. You know, like you just you. It's almost as if you know you can perform on this level, so you're just gonna do it. Like if I feel like I can beat everyone to the ball, I'm just gonna beat everyone to the ball. And when I do it, it only reinforces my thoughts, which makes me play even more faster or gets to the ball, you know, more quickly, taking more high quality shots, et cetera, et cetera. I think confidence is always gonna be key, no matter what stage of the game you're playing in. If you feel like you can do it, you're gonna do it. Um. In terms of mechanics, again, uh, I've just I, although I'm indifferent on decision making and mechanics, I still spend a lot of time focusing on decision making. I thought that was really important, but now I need to know how to flip reset on the ball. Otherwise, I'm you know, someone someone who is gonna do it. If I don't know how to do, how to do it, I should know how to defend against it. I think that's that's the thing that I uh, need to figure out, and which I have. You know, I play with some people who know how to like. Uh, flip reset. So, and if anything, I could just ask Justin to like play me in ones real quick in a private match and cry while that happens multiple times. Over right. and over. But and over at, again. at some point, I'm gonna learn how to block it. So that's the important part. And if not, he'll maybe maybe he'll throw me a tip. But I mean, that's the crazy thing about a flip reset. I mean, it's it's almost not something that you defend as one single person because there are so many different things that you could do with it. Like you try to defend it and then they just fake it and then you're over anyways. You got to get up as early as you can and challenge that ball. It depends on the game mode. Like if you're playing ones, probably not. Sure. If you're playing ones. But for me, when I'm playing threes, I always make sure I'm like the first person in the air challenging. Why? Because it forces whoever's going for it, especially if they're off the ceiling, to flick the ball much more quickly. Like if someone's flicking the ball for a flip reset in midfield versus them being able to carry the ball all the way downfield and then getting the flip reset when they're right in front of the goal line, like that difference in space means a lot because it, it gives my teammates some time to react they can either make a save or make a play. And I just force him to throw away possession at that point. So difference between ones and threes, but yeah. That brings up an interesting point though, in my brain that probably has nothing to do with this particular little track we were on. I'm going to hop over to the next one. So thinking about a threes game and rotation, like, Rotation is great, obviously, um, and making sure that you are not getting in the way of your teammates. How do you manage or like, how do you think about rotating or moving yourself around the field? Are there ever points in time where you might be in your opponent's corner and you're kind of finishing your possession on the ball and you get to midfield and you might pick up the full boost or you might just pick up a few pads and then you turn because you see an opportunity i guess like and again we've said it so many times even during this episode like there is no black and white way to play rocket league there is no specific recipe that you can follow to victory but is how do you kind of 
make decisions or yeah, like change your mind, you know, to turn around to make a challenge or you see something happening and you want to stay in the offense because you feel like an opportunity might be created. Like try and break that down for me a little bit because I feel again, that decision-making between the right and wrong and when you stay or when you go can really change and affect somebody that could go from platinum to diamond or diamond to champ or even even beyond first not like putting zero faith in your teammates for one a lot of people put too much faith in their teammates and they push up too far and they get beat and they're like oh i was too far forward uh one thing i really loved to do was play third man because i got to see the entire pitch i could see everything i was the last man back and also Again, people boom the people love to boom the ball in Rocket League. Like they love to boom that ball. And if you're last man back, you're almost getting a free ball every time. Because they're just gonna quote unquote boom it to clear it. And if you're far back enough or in the right spot, you meet that ball in midfield almost every time. So you get a free touch on the ball every time. So I learned to play last man back because I got to understand one, how my teammates move and what they're more likely to hit and more likely not to hit Two, what my opponents are doing, how they move, what they're more likely to do and what they're, you know, more likely to not do. And three, I can focus on where I stay in the middle of all of that. So if I have a teammate that's poor at making challenges on the sidewall or that I already have an assumption that he's going to lose on the sidewall. I'll play behind him, most likely a little bit behind the midfield line. He'll lose because the opponent is just sees a uh, octane in front of him. He gets scared, so he'll just like try to boom it and he'll pinch off the wall and he'll roll right to me who has full boost in midfield. So now... Like I said, I'm bad at ceiling shots, but I can go practice an air dribble or ceiling shot because I have the ball on the sidewall. It just hit my octane. It's going to roll up. And again, it's just a free chance for me. Uh, Knowing how to literally – no, just expecting your teammates to lose, expecting your opponents to boom the ball, uh, and knowing that wherever their position, the ball is going to go X and you have to be Y, I think that's a pretty reliable recipe in order to figure out where to be or at least it's worked for me so far expand on the no faith a little bit like no faith in your teammate because i i get it and part of me like agrees with you and then there's part of me that wants to like when i go in a game i want to have confidence in my teammate that teammates that they will be able to do things so that i can play off of that instead of feel like i need to be a hero or something like that so when you say you have no faith like does that lead to overcommitments or excuse me, overcommitments or double commitments, or are you just playing more conservative all the time? I lean on the more conservative part, mainly because if my teammate's going up for a challenge, I expect my teammate to lose the challenge. I think I go into a lobby and I think 
again, this is just kind of confidence factor, especially recently because I know I'm playing like champ three or champ two lobbies and I'm a grand champion player. I go into a lobby like, okay, well, I'm the best player in the lobby. And then at the same time, I feel like everyone in the lobby is bad until they're proven good. It's kind of like, you know, innocent until proven guilty, except opposite, completely opposite. Um, but yeah, that's just how I feel. Uh, I don't like, there have been times where I give guys free shots off the backboard just because I know that they don't practice their backboard shots and they're going to miss. And I have a free dribble down the field. Uh, and it's probably not the best practice, but I don't, it doesn't really like have that backlash as much as I would, you know, I guess hope it would maybe, you know, um, yeah, so then if I know I can – like Rocket League, although it's five minutes long, those are some long games, especially if goals are being scored. During that time, like during the first goal, you should kind of already be building up an understanding of how everyone on the field is playing. And then after that first goal, no matter what side it's on, you figure out just how to play the rest of the game based on the knowledge that you know. If I know someone's tilted or not even tilted, if I just know that someone whiffs a lot at midfield and they whiff in front of me one time and we almost get scored on, I'm not going to move up as far forward the next time. It's about adapting and it's about understanding who's doing what on the field. And I don't want to give up an early goal because I want to be the nice guy, And but I'm not really being a nice guy. I'm being passive aggressive because I'm giving my teammate the credit of being a champ three player and expecting him to be able to make a touch on the ball. But when he doesn't, then it doesn't mess up just him. It messes up him and me. And now our third, who I don't even know how he plays, is in a 3v1 situation. I would rather not risk that and more focus on being safe than sorry. So then in those games, do you ever turn it on? Like you you have a feel for the game. So then... I'm going full Daz and then you played Mm -hmm. differently or are there some, I mean, and I'm guessing there are some games where you just have to sit in that third man role and kind of clean it up the entire game. Uh, For both of those, uh, if I notice that my teammates are very slow, then, and we're getting just beat all the time and they're both just really slow. And I know I can beat everybody else to the ball. Sometimes you just have to cut them out. Sometimes you just have to like make that choice. Blake's will hate me if I'm saying that because I'm putting my teammates in a Manka S place, but it's the truth. Um, in those types of lobbies, if I understand I can beat everyone to the ball, I can get downfield and I can set up my team for offensive chances. I just have I just have to be a little bit more faster. Then I can do that mainly because I I can rely on myself. I sh- I should be able to rely on myself. Uh, right, you know. One would hope. Um, and, but. At the same time, if my team is not – if it's the opposite and it's not my team or it's slow, they're just chasing all the time, then instead of me – okay, I just want to – you know, I'm still trying to like be fast and be speedy and bring the ball up. No, let them do that. They'll get the, they'll mess up the defense on the other team. And for me, it's just about waiting on my opportunity to move in. And then when I have that opportunity, then I see, okay, where are my chasing teammates? Are they going to be able to take this shot when I go for the pass to them? Um, are they going to mess up the defense enough to where I can take a shot? Like, how's that going to work? But yeah, sometimes you just have to like, let them do them. And at the end of the day, if it's just like both your teammates doing it and you guys lose the game, like that happens, but it's just one game. You know, it, it, that again, mindset, very important. 
Oh, extremely important. I think that's 80 or 90% of the game, really. So where are you right now rank-wise? Have you gotten back to GC or... I I think you said you were playing with other guys. So like, where are you sitting right now? Mm. I got up. I have two accounts that are sitting in champ three right now. Um, okay. Yep. I think they're both like champ three div three. And it's just like, if I sat down in one night, just played some music, they'd both be GC. But right now I'm just playing with friends and uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of chilling, kind of focusing on improving solo. I think, uh, when did the season start? I think it might be too late in the season for me to really start to grind. But at the same time, I probably just hit Grand Champ and then go play six mans because that's that's very sweaty. So that's kind of fun. How um, and I've never really talked to anybody about six mans, and it's been a long time since I've tried to touch that. I played one series of six mans, and it was not a very pleasant experience so i haven't really touched it since then uh how many games like do you feel like you could handle yourself pretty well in diamond three diamond three that's where i live champ three like if you wanted to you could just win those games pretty easily to get to grand champ or do you feel like there's there would be like some question of Am I going to be able to win every game? Is every game competitive? Or you feel like you are usually at an advantage in those lobbies? lobbies. 100%. I feel like um, a lot of times, uh, you know, people get there and they get pressured, this side or the other, but I've just been going through it for so many seasons at this point. It's just like, okay, let's sit down, put on some tunes, and let's just play Rocket League. If anything, I kind of enjoy it more than when I actually hit Grand Champ, mainly because it's like I know, you know, it's just like I know I can hit this. And, like, it's the few time or the the small time in the game where I don't feel the pressure or I don't, like, I actually am having fun playing Rocket League. You know what I mean? I don't have to. It's not like, okay, this is a true test of my skill. I'm in here. I'm about to do this. Let's go. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm just chilling. You know, I'm, I'm laid back, chilling, running around the pitch playing Rocket League. You know, that's that's it. So I kind of enjoy that time while I have it, to be honest. What about getting to the peak of your MMR makes that I mean, change again going back to earlier just understanding that okay this is actually probably going to be challenging now because i don't know what to expect going into this this is a little different people are going to be a little bit more sweaty and again i just i just psych myself out that's really it i want to try i want to get back there just so i can just try like still chilling i did a little bit and it worked here and there i was still going up and down but the difference is once you hit that um that like mark or so to speak on um the GC mark, your MMR is like displayed on the screen. I think the fact that I can see that MMR, like it kind of haunts me. I'm like, dang, I just went down seven points. Oh, I just went up ten points. Uh, like the t- whole tracking points thing, I made sure I was like, okay, like divisions in champ, fine, but when I get to that uh that MMR stuff, the numbers going up and down. I'm just like, uh, I don't want to see this. 
so you can see it in GC every like even without you know yeah. Bacchus Mod or Alpha yeah, Console, yeah, you, you just see it. Oh, okay. I see. Hmm. So I I'm extremely curious. I would love uh to see what it would look like uh for you to experiment a little bit more with like finding a way to not put that pressure on yourself. I'm wondering do you think that pops up uh from like you know a small mistake or you missing something or getting beat like is it that one little thing that happens that makes you realize okay i'm here again or does it happen immediately as soon as you get mm, to that point? it happens when i have difficulty reading my opponents mainly because they're booming the ball all the way across the field they're getting a lot more power in their touches and some teams are just like super aggressive and i'm getting beat very quickly so then all those things happening in succession and I feel like I have to reset and readjust. And that's when the, that's when the, the rank play starts to shift. That's when you get into like, okay, these this is a mechanical difference. That's the only thing about GC uh, when you get to the rank is that for a time, it's a mixed bag. You never really know who you're going to get versus people who are like really good and should be a higher rank versus people who are just champ three and they got a lucky kind of set of games going and they're in GC now. I feel like it is an inter interesting mix because uh, even even where I'm at still, I feel that no, I don't. I don't think I feel that way. I was about to say that I feel like it's uh, people have the mechanics but can't necessarily back it up with the gameplay. But I feel like it's it's kind of a mess of everything where some people are phenomenal mechanically and just make horrible decisions and then there are the people that are you know maybe in the right place at the right time but just a little bit too slow um and i i think that in every rank there like diamond three i think is an excellent example of people that have good enough mechanics to be in champ but just do not make good enough decisions on a consistent basis to to break through. And I'm wondering if you feel like, uh, you know, you with a certain amount of gameplay and just making good decisions, it's almost like I think John Sandman is a good example of this. Like he is a, from what I've watched on YouTube, is a fine player. Like he makes good decisions. He plays extremely conservative and he still got to grand champ. Like he does not do things that are mechanically impressive or what you think of would be like a grand champ, but he still got there because he made few enough mistakes to get there. And it almost sounds like, you know, you get to a, a certain threshold based on your decision-making and then you have to get your mechanics up to the next level so that those mechanics can then be supported by your decision making again. Does, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. It's almost like a yeah. teeter totter. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think 
all the way up to probably like mid champ three you should focus on your decision makings once you're mid champ three you can pretty much hit gc but at that point you got to start focusing on mechanics because if your mechanics are lacking then you're gonna have a bad time yes so this is something that i've realized recently in my own game that one thing that i the thing that i struggle with the most and where i make the most misses right now and i'm it's frustrating and at the same time i'm okay with it because it's almost i look at it as an opportunity to practice like i almost do it when i should i when i know i shouldn't be doing it just because i want to try to practice it is reading uh shots off the sidewall or the back wall i know that i need to get better at reading angles and uh kind of how the ball is projecting so kind of being able to quickly decide is this ball going completely horizontal along the field or if it's coming towards me like what angle is it coming towards me at and then what direction is it going to go off the wall so that i can meet it to get a touch or um you know what angle is it going off the back wall so that i can be coming from the appropriate angle on the other side of it to either get a shot or get a touch away from my net like i struggle with that a lot and i don't know if i would necessarily label that as a gameplay mechanic or a mechanic mechanic of of the game but i know that it's something that i really struggle at and it leads to me either putting myself out of the play uh, not really taking possession away from the other team or, you know, sometimes even just setting my opponents up for an easy shot on goal because I'm just not getting a very good touch on the ball and throwing off my own teammates. Um, so I know that's one thing that I need to work on mechanically that would be able to uh, get me to the next level because that's how I quote unquote get faster to the ball. So like, thoughts i think positioning is how you get faster to the ball or if... personal like mechanics i don't mm. mechanics go ahead well and that's that's what i'm saying is almost it's it's kind of this dual thing because yes i have to put myself and maybe i'm not expressing myself as well as i could but like I'm, I'm thinking about being somewhere, you know, on my half uh, on the left side of the field and the ball is in midfield on my opponent's side and it's coming at an angle to the wall. Like, and I know I'm in the right position, but then it's also being able to read that ball on the bounce. And it's, there's a positioning piece of it, but then also just being able to read the ball effectively is like what I need to work on. And I would say the faster that I can read that ball, the faster I am to the ball. Like there are some people that would have to wait for the ball to bounce off the wall and then bounce once and then they understand where it is, where I want to be able to read the ball as it's coming into the wall so I know where it's going to bounce off so that I can already be headed in the other direction with yeah, the ball. Yeah, does that make does. sense? Um... I think for this one, yeah, 
Well, how do you? How would you rate your own like mechanics, or well, not your mechanics, your own decision making, especially based on the rank you're in? Not good enough. I mean, if if my decision rank decision ranking decision making were better, I and I guess you you could say this for anybody. This is maybe a horrible answer. Uh, you know, if I could make better decisions, I would be higher in rank. That being said, I feel like there are also sometimes things that I'm trying to do that I know that I'm not confident in so that I can get the practice in. I could probably play more conservatively and get up to champ two. And I'm not really interested in doing that because I know that there are things that I want to get better at. Well, um, I think that, again, I think it's just a balance here. I think you understand personally. I say personally a lot. I think you understand just exactly what you need to work on, which is already like a great step forward. But in a way, try to like balance how you get there. Don't try to like focus on one thing at a time, but make sure, you know, you get an equal amount of decision making and mechanics in. Because you like you'll see growth no matter what you do, but you'll see more growth over time based on exactly what you focused on. I think regardless, if what no matter what you focus on that specific area, you're gonna get out of that diamond three. Yeah, well, and I'm not gonna say fortunately because diamond is a perfectly fine place to be. For myself personally. I have hit the goal, at least in threes and twos, that I'm no longer in diamond. I'm champ in both of them, uh, which, which feels good. Um, but I, I also, I mean, I've, I've, there's part of me that feels like champ one is basically like diamond four. Like I've been able to just be a little smarter than my peers at diamond three to be able to make it into champ one. Like I wouldn't say that, uh, I'm miraculous, like amazingly better mechanically. I just play smarter to get to champ one from diamond three. That's all it really took. Um, you know, just not being crazy, trusting my teammate to make some touches and being willing to play off kind of like, you know, you were describing, uh, yourself in doing your best to understand your teammates before you just start YOLOing and playing your own game. Like, you know, how, you have to understand who you're playing with so that you can be the most successful. And that's what I really feel got me into champ one. And I feel that you're right, uh, that it it's, it's always a balance and finding that balance is kind of the key to the game. And I think for me personally, I'm as annoying as it is because I want to move up. Like, you know, that's the name of the podcast, Chasing GC, right? Like I want to get to that point. And I know right now I'm going to take a decent number of L's because I'm still learning how to consistently do things that will get me to that next step. And as soon as I start understanding it better and get the feel of those things and can do it more consistently moving up in rank will 
be an yeah. easier experience. Up, being consistent, um, not putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Just understanding as long as you're improving is what matters. A lot of people are focused on the rank and the number, including me, a little bit. Only when I get to that number. But for the most part, if you're playing better on the pitch, the number will go up on its own. So just instead of just on getting that number up and winning every game, just focus on being better than you were last game. I, I, I was just telling myself that today because honestly, the past two or three days I've been pretty frustrated with myself because, you know, I'm, I'm putting in time practicing and, and trying to get better. Uh, and I feel like on the things that I've been practicing, I have been getting better, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, translate into me winning more games. Um, and sometimes I just get into this zone where I'm like, well, if I'm not grand champ tomorrow, then what am I doing this for? Like, I should just quit. I'm never going to get there. Like, I just don't have what it takes. And like, I'm, I'm champ one right now. I'm not going to wake up in two days playing a couple hours a day and practicing, you know, something for a half an hour, then all of a sudden be grand champ. Like it just doesn't work that way. Uh, so like you said, just allowing myself to be where I'm at and continue as long as I'm practicing and doing something, it's, it's, we're going to get there. It's just going to take the time. Yep. I mean, nailed it on the head at that one. It pretty much like just pace yourself, put in like that, that solid amount of work in terms of, um, making the effort to identify your mistakes and improve on them. Chill out, man. If I could tell so many people to chill out, I don't think you understand. If you could see or be in a game with me and stacks and even Jorby, if we were all playing and we do play a lot, so, you know, you, you had stacks on this um, podcast and I know you've heard that battle commander voice. We all have, we all love it. But man, <laughs> oh man, does it give me a headache when he yells out shot every time there's a shot. There's a there's Oh man. Oh my goodness. I can't even oh, imagine. I love him, but man. Calm down. That's 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 okay. <laughs> that's just I, him calm though. Like the sports announcer is just naturally stacks <laughs> do you understand how much i have to deal with here tom i don't think you understand <laughs> i need i need to get in on this just so i can understand well, we'll a little our, bit better next content we'll uh we'll do some i'll make a youtube video out of uh lean stacks playing rocket league just so everyone can understand what i'm dealing with here all right yes the joys So what would you say are your, the next, you, you said a flip reset, but what are, what are other mechanics that are on your 
hit list right now that you really feel like you want to get under your belt that can um, take you to the next backboard level resets that are like really fast so most people when they do training on backboard resets they you know take their time they don't completely hold down boost when they get to the ball i want to like completely hold down boost and you know be able to make that touch mainly because a lot of a lot of times you don't have the time to like line up a shot the exact way you want to so although i'm like getting the logistics down and the basics I want to be able to be really fast and uh, do that. Also, um, I did just put Baki's mile on my Rocket League now. So I'm experimenting with the uh, the passes and the double taps uh, in free play. That's so cool, by the way. That's yep. just such a good feature. It is. And it's Bacchus only going to be more amazing as we start to see like things mm-hmm. uh, change spectating-wise uh, in Rocket League. We'll see a little bit of that this weekend. I'm not going to say who because I want to – well, I think at this point, like, we know – It's actually this past weekend when this – because it's happening this sun, this coming Sunday, but this Wednesday, that Sunday is now in the past, even though it's in the this future like, for us. All right, this is Podcast really head explosion. Going on right now. But – yeah, we know Subpar <laughs> is definitely experimenting with um, <clears throat> having all boosts displayed, which is huge. And I, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what the response and then is. There's to that. Uh, something else going on as well. I'm I'm not gonna not gonna chat too much about it, but you guys, if you guys do know what I'm talking about, and you are listening, reply to the tweet because you know there's gonna be a tweet coming out. Reply to the tweet. Let me know. I'll see who guess. You guessed it right. But yeah, with the, uh, those new tools being tested, we could see a change in how Rocket League is viewed. And that's really big. This is a really exciting time. It is. Definitely. So what is a, you said a backboard, backboard reset? No, I mean a, a backboard shot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a double tap off the backboard. I can't. I okay. probably said backboard I, I reset. I thought I heard I'm backboard sorry. reset. So I was... No, that's okay. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that there was something that people are working on out there, and I didn't know what it meant. But uh, backboard shot, I do happen so to know what that is. Working on my double taps, and working on like uh, being a lot faster in terms of uh, my shooting. I want to be, you know, a speedy shooter. I can already shoot regular shots pretty fast, but I want to, I want to be that threat in the air. I think, I think the air much like space is the next frontier because it if you can get the ball into the air from the wall or the ground it's it's hard for people to react there faster and if you are able to control the ball whether that's through jumping off the wall getting your redirect onto the back wall and then following it for another touch or getting an air dribble from the ground into the air. Like it's it's just so much harder for people to react from the ground into the air to make a challenge on that ball. Um, it's much easier to carry the ball over people as opposed to through people. Uh, so I completely agree with double taps and just uh, trying to find ways to continue possession through the air. And it's so much more complicated uh, and intricate 
than what I than what yeah, professionals make Justin's it look like. like. Stream at all? Oh my goodness! He'll hit. I need to. I don't. I honestly, uh, or admittedly, have not watched him stream I don't very know. much. That's, that's kind of dangerous uh, for a lot of people. I, there are some people who he really hits some impressive shots, and he does it as if it's second nature or as if it's nothing to him. When it's shots that people practice like time and time again to hit, and he'll just be like, "Oh man, this wasn't even a good shot," or like, "Man, that's easy. I hit those every day," you know, something like that, and. A lot of people like again. He just hit a really like crazy flip reset. That um, no, it wasn't a flip reset. What happened? He was on his opponent team, his opposing team's backboard, and uh, he had a nice redirect off the backboard. But he was playing KBM. <laughs> and just, yeah, he was playing KBM. Just his what? Like, if you go on his Twitter right now at this very moment, it's uh, I think his top tweet or like the only thing, the last thing he's tweeted. Whatever. Some of the pros' ability to just switch from keyboard mouse or from a controller to keyboard mouse just yeah. blows my mind. And they can still well, play yeah, so well. A little bit. It does for me at first, but then I think, well, Rocket League's their full time job. They play it all the time. At some point, you know, you got to practice with some KBM maybe in there. You know, that's the only reason I don't get intimidated or like really wowed by a lot of things that happen because i understand okay these guys play this game all the time literally it's their job you know you gotta i i set a lot of high expectations for pros personally when everyone else doesn't the expectation for me is so high and yet i feel like there's still so much more to go what's your opinion on that do you how close do you feel like pros are to the skill ceiling? Or can we even know the answer to that question? I don't think it's time to really ask that right now. Honestly, there's like Rocket League is a game. I mean, look look at the last major, the Peeps, a team that just promoted, hasn't even played their first RLCS game, beat the two grand finalists of the world championship. Vitality and G2. And both in best of sevens. Like... And for me, when I see people making like early predictions on how G2 or not G2 peeps will do a league play, saying, oh, you know, it's only a one shot or only a fluke, this, that, and the other. Like Rocket League is like developing so like organically that I think you should just kind of like it'll evolve. But when that happens and how that happens and what the ceiling is, I don't think that that's really up for any of us to figure out right now. Do you think that the Peeps win was just a momentum thing? Or do you think it was truly like a skill uh, thing? Like, are the are the Peeps a oh better Lord. team than G2? No, I don't think they're a better team than G2. I think they, at that tournament, I think they had a really, really good tournament. And I don't think any team could have beat them that day. Like I think they could have been every team on the pitch that day. They had a good day. Crowd did help. Um, I'm not gonna say it's a fluke because I want to see what they do. I'm just not ready to completely call that a one-off yet. I think we haven't seen the last of the peeps. I think yeah. they're gonna step up here in league play. 
uh, G2, they played well. Like, they played really well. I think if that was played any other day, I don't even think Peeps would have made that final. I think it would have been Vitality and G2. But they played well that day, and they earned mm-hmm. that win. I can't. I will never discredit them for that win. I don't want to take that away from... I mean, they played out of their minds. They were great, and I don't want to take that away from them at all. I think it's just very interesting the conversations you see in terms of just talking about them and how we've had, you know, four or five winners for the last five or six majors. Like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? What does that say about professional rocket league, blah, blah, blah. And I think that rocket league is big time, a momentum Um, game. Yes. And no, only reason I say that is because we had an era where the same team or the same player won three world championships. And that's Turbo. He's literally the, the three-time. And like Dignitas, when they had him on that team, was pretty much unstoppable. And we had an era of a dominant team in Rocket League, and we saw what that looked like. And it was cool, but not a lot of people really enjoyed it. And the reason I say that is because most people wanted Dignitas to lose. Like, it was a cool, you know, like, we got a taste of what a actual consistently good dominant Rocket League team looked like. And that was good to see. I don't think that we should, like, say that that's not needed because it is. But at the same time, we know that Rocket League is also a game where even the best team in the world can fall short and people can really make a name for themselves or have this what they call uh what they had called the peeps the cinderella story that can happen that that can happen and that can really just connect you with players that you would have never even thought of otherwise like that's important in my opinion that's very important because these players the peeps are just as much professional rocket league players as g2 are and they deserve their chance at the spotlight if they earn it then you can like there's no reason to take that away from them and if anything it makes league play this season that much more exciting coming off of that result now we really don't know what's going to happen people can make their assumptions and it drives the conversation it gets more people involved and it only helps our scene grow more and more so i'm all for it i'm all for both pretty much because we can have titans and we can have a dominant team but that dominant team is going to fall someday and the team that takes them out like that's going to be a good win for them. And I mean, again, it's all just about the growth of the scene, the growth of these players building their careers and pretty much changing their lives as, as well as being able to connect with fans and giving the fans something to cheer for. And giving us more motivation to pick up the controllers and play more rocket league. So, uh, even though we're talking about Rocket League, we're not talking about playing Rocket League anymore, but I can't help it. There's, I think that RL, RLCS Season 8 is going to be extremely interesting, and I look forward to seeing it, how it, it plays out. But that's for a different podcast, because that's not this podcast. But before we call this one to an end, I always give my guests a couple of opportunities. The first one if you would like to put a little bow on this episode with some final thoughts of just what you've been thinking about Rocket League or in some encouragement or just 
you know, whatever you feel like uh, would put the best cherry um, topper on top of this If you're watching one. this for a reason to keep going or a reason to help you become a better player, there's so many people in the scene that can help you um, get to the place that you want to be. There's this community that's thriving and flourishing. I encourage you to get involved with set community because that community is growing every day and it doesn't hurt. And there are people who will help you in the right direction. And if you're looking for someone and you don't know where you can start with me, if you're watching this for me, well, thank you for, for one for two. I better not hear see any memes about this later. Now I might see some memes, but uh, for two, thank you so much. Your support in anything that I do is greatly appreciated. I wouldn't be the person I am without you. No matter who you are, you've had some impact on me. Whether it's liking a tweets because I see everyone who likes my tweets, um, whether you're a close friend like Jorby who's messaging me right now, or whether you're you know even Psionics. Like everyone has had an impact and I am very appreciative of everybody and very thankful to be here. And if you're watching for Tom, then you are a absolutely amazing human being because he's doing a lot of good work and he's putting on quite fantastic podcasts. And I encourage you to do that and also support him anyway, especially by sharing this podcast with all of your friends on all your social media platforms to get the word out, whether that's about a guest or about Tom, or anything Rocket League related, and that if you found through this episode, make sure to reference this episode when doing so. And last but not least, keep being you, be nice to each other, and let's just keep grinding. Let's, let's go. We're, we're chasing Grand Champ. So this is the point of the podcast that I'd be shutting things down, and I am doing that. And I'm pretty sure that I muted myself as we were finishing the podcast. So here is Dazrin's question, followed up by his social stuff. So be sure to thank him and answer the question and show some gratitude for him spending some time with me. It was really a blast to have him on. And as always, uh, hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag ChasingGC. Or download the Anchor app and send me a voice message with your answer or a question or anything like that about the show or just Rocket League in general. As always, I would love to hear you. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your time with me to listen to this podcast. It really is a joy to do and I enjoy having these conversations. I'm going to cut it off here. Here's the last couple things from Daz and we'll talk to you real soon. Oh, I didn't prepare for this. Um, wow. What would I like to ask everyone? I know, right? That's crazy. Uh, hmm. At what point did you realize you became a fan in Rocket League? On Twitter at iDazarin, YouTube uh.com slash dazarin twitch.tv slash dazarin and on instagram damar.daz yeah. so hit us up on twitter at 